always be a mountain in a valley in our way. But right here in this moment, may our strength be renewed as we recall what God has done and how we've seen Him move. If there's anybody here who's found in faith, Anybody here know he is able? Just say amen. Is there anybody here who's seen his power? Anybody here run through that fire? Just say amen. Is there anybody here in the middle of sorrow? Peace in the storm, hope for tomorrow. And you've seen it time again, and just say amen. Sometimes in this darkness, it's so hard to see to be brave and courageous and follow where he leads greater is the one who's in me than he who's in the world but child of god remember the battle is the lord is anybody here who's now in faith Anybody here and know he is able and just say amen. Is there anybody here who's seen his power? Anybody here brought through that fire? And just say amen. Is there anybody here and the middle of sorrow? Peace in the storm, hope for tomorrow, and you'll see it time again, and just say, Amen, and just say, Amen. Is anybody here who's seen his power? Anybody here and know he is able? Then just say amen. Is there anybody here who's seen his power? Anybody here run through the fire? Just say
You know, I'd like to thank Pastor DJ for opening up the doors to us um, to be able to fellowship with your congregation. And we hope to come back. And thank you for letting us worship with you this morning. Hey, I'll say amen to that for sure. Farron, Noah, I appreciate you guys. Um, that, uh, that was such a blessing. Um, uh, First Baptist Henrietta has uh, missed out this morning. Um, Farron got with me this week, and they had uh, been scheduled uh, down the road in Henrietta, and uh, um, that had uh, got canceled, and so uh, we opened our doors to them, and so I am so grateful that we did. And I hope that you've been blessed in worship this morning. Um, if I can't preach after that, uh, then uh, this message is not worth a whole lot. <laughs> um, God's been good and he's moved. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, so much for being here. If you guys uh, would like to support them, gosh, I, I, I love their story. And uh, I love how God is using them. If you'd like to support them, um, then after the service, um, out in the foyer, they've got a table set up with some merchandise that you uh, some CDs and stuff that you can uh, make yourself available to. Um, and then also, if you just want to support their ministry, uh, if you just want to write a check or give some cash, um, you can do that, and you can make that check out to them um, out there and uh, uh, bless them for their time here uh, this morning. Uh, I thank you, gentlemen, uh, so much. And uh, God is using people. Uh, that's what he does. Uh, he calls people and uses them. And uh, he saw these young men out um, yeah, on the Navajo Reservation and said, I'm going to use them for God's glory. By the way, Farron, how old are you, bud? Huh? 23? Gosh. He's got some, he's got some soul in that voice, some, some, some background in there. Um, you lived a lot of life at 23, it sounds like. But uh, uh, gosh, what, what a blessing this morning. And uh, talking about that being, being called, I, I'm so excited to preach uh, the final message in this series called Authority Complex, and um, I, I've been grateful for your feedback for the last couple weeks, and so grateful that you have been responsive to uh, not only the authority of the Word of God and the authority of the church, but this morning as we turn towards uh, the authority of the man of God. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and take and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, thank you for those that are joining us uh, via live stream again we are live streaming, so be on your best behavior, okay? Um, I hope I don't have to tell you that too many times, but uh, I want to talk this morning about the authority of the man of God, and I understand what this looks like. I understand that the man of God at First Baptist Church is about to preach to you about what the man of God at First Baptist Church should look like. And how you should indeed follow the man of God called to serve you. I understand that it may seem like it is self-serving. In some ways it may be. And I, I understand that it may appear as if this is going to be me showing you who's boss. And it won't be that, I promise. This morning what I want to do is I want to look at God's word about the man of God and I want to describe what he should look like. And I want to follow that with a brief moment of why 
because of who he is, because of how he's been called, and because of his testimony. Why the church should honor him, should pray for him, should follow him, and most importantly, should hold him accountable. So let's look at our Bibles in 2 Timothy chapter 3 as we begin. If you would stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Second Timothy is a letter that Paul had wrote specifically to Timothy as the pastor of his local church. The book of 1 Timothy gives some encouragement to Timothy of, of things he needs to handle within the church there at Ephesus that he was at. But the book of 2 Timothy is a personal letter from Paul to the young preacher Timothy. And in it we find some great, great admonitions and aspirations, but it doesn't come without struggle. So I want to read in chapter 3 this morning, but know this, difficult times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers without self-control, brutal without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people. I want to take a short second to tell you that I don't believe that Paul is describing church people in this text. I believe he is describing pastors in this text. Let's continue on. For among them are those who worm their way into households and capture idle women burdened down with sins, led among by various variety of passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. And just as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. Men who are corrupt in mind, worthless in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their lack of understanding will be clear to all, as theirs was also. But you, Paul is giving the admonition now to Timothy, but you have followed my teaching. My conduct, purpose, faith, my patience, and my love and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. In fact, all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy, preacher, pastor, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And all scriptures inspired by God is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. I pray that your word would fall on our hearts, that we would humbly receive it, that we would faithfully enact it, God, that we would take it with us as we go. Let your spirit move among us, and it's in your name I pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
I love Marvel movies. I think you guys know that about me. I've, I've explained that in my household that everybody else gets annoyed because all I want to do is watch Marvel movies. It's just one of them things. I'm, I wouldn't call an addiction. I would call it maybe an infatuation. I can't wait for next month for the new movie to come out. But one of my favorite scenes in all of the movies happens in the first Avengers movie. And in the first Avengers movie, we know that when it comes down to the end, uh, Loki, some of you guys are just going to glaze over because you don't remember or know any of this. But in the end, Loki calls for a great army. An army comes down. It seems hopeless for Earth. It seems hopeless for the city. And there's a bunch of military and police personnel that are on the street. And they're looking around, they don't know what to do because they've never seen stuff like this. And all of a sudden, Captain America flies down onto this car and he looks at this police officer and he tells him, I need you to station men in this building, I need a perimeter set all the way down to 34th Street, I need you to do this. And the police officer looks at him and says, why should I listen to you? Who do you think you are? And all of a sudden, a bunch of these creatures surround Captain America, and he does a Captain America type thing where he just beats the living tar out of them. And at that point, the officer turns around to all of his men and repeats every order that was given to him by Captain America. What happened in that moment was that Captain America did something to earn the following of the men behind him. I want to tell you this. No great pastor of any church has not gone without having to prove that he is worth following. We don't receive a title and automatically demand respect and ultimately have authority. Even though God, by title, calls us to the local church, calls men to serve. Even though God Himself has ordained that, we understand that in order to follow, you must see evidence of good leadership. And Paul is trying to communicate that above all else to Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And so I want to give you just a few things that you should look for in every pastor that you see, including the one standing here this morning. I understand the scrutiny that could come. I understand the accountability that could come. And trust me, it's welcome. You see, men of God who are called to pastor the local church, they come under three different things. They come under the authority of the Word of God. God has given us in his text in several different places, in 2 Timothy and 1 Timothy, in Titus. He's given us the outline for what these men should look like. And he's given us the authority of the word of God to say these men are not put in place to rule over you, but to lead you into the likeness of Christ. And so there's the authority, but there's also the call. 
No man who stands in the pulpit should ever stand there without the call of God on his life. We see a few chapters earlier that if anyone desires to be a pastor, he desires a noble work. He's called. God placed a calling on my life. Shortly after I came to faith in Jesus Christ at the age of 13, I looked around and knew that I had somewhat been bred and groomed to serve the local church. God fulfilled that in my life by calling me. If you ever run into a pastor who said he was never called to do it, then run far, far away. He who desires to be a pastor desires a noble work. The authority, the word, and the call, but then there's also the testimony. The testimony of the man of God. It's not a surprise that in the request, in the requirements for the overseer that we find he shouldn't be a new Christian. God has to develop a testimony. I'm not, to, I'm not suggesting that someone can't overnight, like the Apostle Paul, be called into the ministry, but what I am suggesting is that it takes testimony to be able to build on the calling that God has given the man of God. Here's what you need to look for when you see a pastor. The first thing is that their lives are open for all to see. Be weary and wary of the man who God who guards everything in his life against everybody else. What it often shows is it often shows that he is far more sinful than you know. It shows that he is far more prideful than you could ever understand. It shows that he is far less willing to be involved in your life. And how could the man of God who's called to shepherd the church, how could he not be willing to be involved in the life of his people? Paul, when he's talking to Timothy here in this letter, in verse 10, he gives the eye-opening event. You, Timothy, but you have followed my teaching and my conduct. You have seen my life. My life is open and a wide open book. So it should be for the man of God who sits in the pulpit on Sunday morning. We should never hold a pastor on a pedestal. Trust me, I spend a lot of time with a lot of them and they're not worth that. Rather, we should put them on our prayer list. We should spend our time getting to know them. They're open. Their lives are open for all to see. Secondly, they teach true doctrine. Paul is trying to communicate with Timothy, listen, and he says it over and over again in his letters to Timothy. 
You need to teach what you have learned, the sacred scriptures, the wisdom that's been given to you, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Teach doctrine and don't teach anything else. Let me tell you, there's a lot of pastors out there who teach far from doctrine, far from the word of God. In Paul's case, when he says my doctrine, it means the true faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter how appealing a preacher may be, if he does not preach the truth of God's word, he does not deserve the title, position, support as pastor. We have a great deal of pseudo-Christianity out there. There are some great preachers and pastors that are on TV and radio, and for as many as them, there are many who I could describe with the first part of 2 Timothy chapter 3 as lovers of self and lovers of money, boastful and proud and blasphemers. Talking about doctrine, not only do they teach doctrine, but they practice what they preach. Paul's manner of life backed up all of his messages. He did not preach sacrifice and live in luxury. He tells Timothy, you will suffer. There will be persecutions. I suffered. When I was in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, I suffered there. We don't surrender to this call to make a living. If I was in a room full of pastors, they would say an amen to that. I'm just just saying. Off the record. We are called to practice what we preach. And he stood for the truth, Paul did, when it meant losing friends. And ultimately, in the end, losing his life. If your preacher is not willing to stand up for the truth, find another church. Fourthly, their purpose is to glorify God. There was never a question about Paul's purpose when he communicated it to Timothy. He wanted to do God's will and finish the work that God gave him to do. If there is ever a preacher in your midst that only seeks to find a stepping stone to the next level, only seeks to culminate all the numbers and statistics that he can to boost his own agenda, There's ever a preacher among you that doesn't seek in every moment of his life to glorify God. Find another preacher. Lastly, they're willing to suffer. Verse 12, in fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, they will be persecuted. The man of God that's called 
to pastor and shepherd the local church is going to suffer. Here is my admonition for you this morning. Shall the man of God called to the local church, should he suffer from the world? Or in most cases, when I look around, does he suffer from the church? You see, there's been a lost art. There's been a lost principle. There's been a lost fact of church. Church has become a group of people who hire a man to do all the work. Speaking of that work, in chapter 4, Paul gives Timothy his task. And I would challenge you this morning in closing, the task that Paul gives Timothy as pastor of the local church Is it the same task that you require of the man of God? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Proclaim the message. Persist in it, whether convenient or not. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. Down to verse 5. But as for you, Timothy, be serious about everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. God has called the man of God to have authority over the church, not as a ruler but as one who comes alongside the church to equip them for good works, to endure the hardship of following Christ, to preach the word, and to do the work of an evangelist. I would tell you this, if you ever find the man of God behind this pulpit right now, Unfaithful to his calling in these regards. We need to have a talk. God has put the man of God as authority over the church. So that he may lead the church in righteousness. So that he may equip it for good works. And so that he may, by his ministry, fulfill the calling to glorify God. I've loved walking through what it looks like to have authority. Authority based in the Word of God. Authority given to the local church. And authority privileged to the man of God called there. I hope in the days to come, that we will exercise and practice our authority in conjunction with God's word so that he may be glorified, so that many may come to know him. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
I'm going to ask Farron and Noah to come. They're going to lead us in a song in just a moment. While they're doing that, I want to give you a moment to respond. Response will look like this this morning. I know the message was geared one very specific way. I want to ask on the authority of God's Word. I want to ask that you spend some time this morning praying for the man of God put here at First Baptist Church. That God would surround him with good people. Faithful, strong people. That he would teach doctrine and nothing else. That he would be found a servant I'm going to ask you in a way of response, would you pray for any feelings you may be harboring? A lot of us have been church hurt before and there's a great distrust for the man of God that's put into our local church. Maybe we need to pray through asking the Lord to help us with that. But you may be here this morning and This message may have seemed like it wasn't for you, but I want you to understand something. God puts men into the local church, called by God, given testimony as a worker, so that they may declare the gospel of Jesus Christ and do the work of evangelist. You may be here this morning and you may have never heard the gospel, or maybe you have and you've ran from it. I want to remind you this morning that Jesus died on a cross, paid the ultimate penalty for my sin and for yours, so that, as Romans tells us, if we would believe that He died and rose again, if we would confess Him as Lord of our life, then we would be saved, that we would be given a home in heaven for all eternity, but more than that, we would be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, so that we may walk and do good works in accordance with what He's began in us. You can do that this morning. Here in a moment, I'm going to say a word of prayer. They're going to begin to sing. And you can come. You can come and get with one of these gentlemen on the front and say, hey, I want to be saved. Maybe you need to come to this altar and spend some time praying for your church, for your pastor. Maybe you just need to pray right where you are. However the Spirit leads you to respond this morning, I want you to do it. Father, I thank you for today, for the sweet blessing of worship and of your word. God, I'm praying that in this moment of invitation, I'm praying that you be glorified in our response. It's in your name I pray. Amen.